above his head like some Ethiopian athlete brandishing the Olympic torch. Through the archway to his right, he could see a slimly attractive nurse talking earnestly to a fresh-faced young houseman, and soon the two of them were walking quietly, unfussily into the ward, then disappearing behind the drawn curtains of the bed diagonally opposite Morse's. When he'd first been wheeled in, Morse had noticed the man who occupied that bed, a proud-looking man, late seventies perhaps, with an Indian Army moustache and a thin thatch of pure white hair. For a second or two, the old warrior's watery pale eyes had settled on Morse's face, but the rampant septicemia, which had sent a bright pink suffusion to his waxen cheeks, had taken from him all power of speech. It was 5.20 when the houseman emerged from behind the curtains, 5.30 when the porters wheeled the dead man away, and when exactly half an hour later the full lights flickered on in the ward, the curtain round the bed of the late Colonel Wilfred Denniston, OBE, MC, was standing open, to reveal newly laundered sheets, with the changed blankets professionally mitred at the foot. At 6.45, Morse was aware of voices, the clinking of crockery, the squeaking of ill-oiled wheels, and finally Violet, a considerably overweight West Indian woman, hove into view, pushing a tea trolley. And how Morse welcomed it. For the first time in the past few days, he was conscious of a positive appetite for food and drink. Already he had surveyed with envy the jugs of water and bottles of squash that stood on the bedside tables of his fellow patients, though for some reason not of the man immediately opposite, one Walter Greenaway, above whose bed there hung a rectangular plaque bearing the sad little legend, Nil by mouth. Tea or coffee, Mr Greenaway? Just a large gin and tonic. Ice and lemon? No ice, thanks. Spoils the gin. Violet moved away massively to the next bed. Mr Greenaway winked across at Morse. All right, Chief. On the mend. <laughs> That's exactly what the old Colonel used to say, on the mend, poor old boy. I see, said Morse, with some unease. No tea for you, then. Greenaway shook his head. They're operating on me at ten. That's why I'm not allowed to drink. Violet had effected a U-turn by now and was at last beside Morse's bed. Morning. Good morning. Uh, coffee, please. Two sugars. My, my, two sugars. Violet turned to share the private joke with the grinning Greenaway. Then she wagged a brown forefinger at a point somewhere above his bed. And by twisting his neck, Morse could see, behind his saline apparatus, a rectangular plaque bearing the sad little legend, Nil by Mouth. Detective Sergeant Lewis came into the ward just after seven that Sunday evening, clutching a Sainsbury carrier bag with the air of a slightly guilty man walking through the customs shed. Well, he said, what do they say is the trouble? Trouble? No trouble. It's just a case of mistaken identity. Lewis grinned. Seriously, though. Seriously? Well, they put me on some big white pills that cost a couple of quid a time, so the nurses say. Do you realise you can get a very decent little bottle of claret for that? What about the food? What food? They haven't given me a thing. No drink either. Lewis's eyes jerked downwards towards the carrier bag. Come on, Lewis. What have you got in there? Lewis reached inside the bag and brought out a bottle of lemon barley water. The missus thought, well, you know, you wouldn't be allowed to drink anything else much. Very kind of her. And here's a book. It was entitled Scales of Injustice, a comparative study of crime and its punishment in the county of Shropshire, 1842 to 1852. Morse took the thick volume and surveyed it without obvious enthusiasm. Hmm, looks fairly interesting. 
You don't mean that, do you, sir? No. It's a sort of family heirloom, and the missus just thought, tell that wonderful missus of yours I'm very pleased with it. Perhaps you'll do me a favour and leave it in the hospital library when you come out. Morse laughed quietly, and he was still smiling when an extraordinarily pretty young nurse, with a freckled face and mahogany-highlighted hair, came to the bedside and waved an admonitory finger at the lemon-barley bottle which Morse had placed on his locker top. "'Who's that?' whispered Lewis when she had passed on her way. "'That, Lewis, is the fair Fiona. "'I sometimes wonder how the doctors manage to keep their dirty hands off her. "'Perhaps they don't. "'I thought you'd come to cheer me up.' "'But for the moment good cheer seemed in short supply. "'The ward's sister had clearly been keeping her dragon's eyes on events in general, "'and in particular on events around the bed where the dehydrated chief inspector lay. "'With purposeful stride she took the few steps from her vantage.